Welcome back to Culture Bucket with uh, your host, George and Alex. Say hi, Alex. Hello, G. Hello, everyone. Hi. Nice to see you again. <laughs> nice to see uh, you. We are in our fifth episode where we will be talking about what we, des- what we described last episode as our top foreign language films. Yes. Uh, and I was having an internal debate before we started because the Academy Awards uh, in the last couple of years changed their title for this award not that we're basing ourselves off them specifically but change their title for best foreign language film to best international film so uh, maybe we should be maybe we should be saying best international film yes foreign language because you know all languages are equal but um but foreign speak, language to well, us foreign language to us or to me specifically because yeah. uh you are more language able than me <laughs> well, You're bilingual i am, and I am monolingual <laughs> So, <laughs> just lingual, just lingual, <laughs> just lingual. So yeah, top international films, basically meaning films that originated outside America or England or any English-speaking country generally, and are in a language primarily that isn't English. Yeah, because I for a lot for a long time it was also world cinema, wasn't it? Yeah, you've got world cinema, yeah. you've got foreign language films, mm. you've got international films. I think everyone kind of knows what it means, but you, you want to avoid causing uh, any offence, I suppose, by designating them as foreign language movies, because for the people who made them, it's not a foreign language, it's their mother tongue. So, True. Yeah, be aware of that, I guess. Yes, definitely. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not even a genre, but people will talk about it as if it's a genre and people will have ideas about what world cinema is mm. in terms of it being very artistic and very maybe dry or boring to some people. And it isn't that at all. And hopefully Parasite winning Best Film recently at the Oscars mm. has kind of opened up to a few more people that films that aren't in English are as valid as films that are in English and are often better or equal or everyone's equal. Everyone's equal. Definitely. Better. Let's all be equal. But let's say also we chose this because to make our life easier and we could choose 10 films <laughs> rather than five. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not to separate it yeah. off as a category that's lesser than the category we did last week. Mm. It's just to give us more stuff to talk about, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But first, let's do our culture catch-up. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Um, Alex, what have you what have you encountered this week in your in your world of culture? Oh, in my world of culture, um, yeah. I've been busy with Beyonce this week. Uh, it's been a very Beyonce central centered, not central. Beyonce Central, <laughs> you've arrived at your last destination. No, um, so watched Homecoming after you spoke about it. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Too, and too. it's incredible. It's it is, isn't it? So good, and the process she went through for this. I love the fact that she showed it and the the heart and you can see every like what she explains. You can see it on stage. It's such a performance. It's such a show. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the fact that she had to 
do it amazingly well and spectacularly. And she delivered, you know, being the first black woman to headline Coachella, which is bizarre. You know, when, when you, when you realize when, when you find out these things, you go, how, how can that possibly be? Mm. You know, how many incredible black women artists are there? And you, Beyonce is the first one in 2018. But, um, and because of that, she had to go extra. And the amount of work that went in it and the amount of like dancing and the, the, the marching band, and it was beautiful, beautiful. And I had a really weird reaction because I used to be really into Destiny's Child when they were out. But I never, after, you know, I haven't listened them, to them in years. But then when they come up on stage, like I had tears in my eyes. Because <laughs> it was just a revival that I never thought I would see again. And it was beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. And I liked that, um, you know, she had her sister dancing with her. And there was a bit of a Jay-Z. And... Um, the way also that the some you know I don't like all of Beyonce's music and what I found really <clears> interesting <throat> is that some songs that I don't particularly like of Beyonce's I really enjoyed in the show because she yeah. put a twist on them and it it was just beautiful it was amazing and really really inspiring and empowering and and then after that I watched Black is King. Ah, the Disney Plus yeah. concert film. Not concert film. What, what? How? How would you describe it? What is uh, it? Concept, is it a uh, visual album. A visual film? album. That's it. That's yeah, what yeah. yeah. Um, it's good. It's very good. I haven't watched it all. I've only watched half because uh, I found it being a visual album. There's, it's quite intense. <laughs> yes, so, that would be my. Yeah, it's assumption. really, really intense. But what I watched was really good and I've I watched half and then at one point I was I just had to stop it because I, I needed to not go in, in inertia inertia yeah. at inertia is it in inertia or at inertia on inertia whatever inertia yes inertia. <laughs> that's an interesting word um but I, I stopped it because I wanted to enjoy it but it's really really good good and interesting and uh, it's kind of based on uh, the lion king so yes because she did an album to tie in with the lion king didn't yeah she? yeah and uh, which i haven't watched the lion king because it's my don't do that no uh it's my favorite disney cartoon well one of my favorites and i don't think i could uh deal with live action um but that's yeah. another story <laughs> yeah it's not it's not even live action though is it it's it's still animated yeah but they just no. arbitrarily called it live action it's yeah. a bad film i didn't like it at all <laughs> uh but no it's it's it was really really good and uh i'm i'm enjoying the 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 way the, the path she's taking and well she's really taken but she's being more i don't know influential i guess yeah 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 uh no, she's she's great her music's great and her whole kind of what she's doing in the world is seems really good. So well done. Yeah, good. yeah. Good. And then um, I watched uh, finally uh, what we do in the shadows, the film. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, the Taika Waititi film. Yes, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It is. It's um, very silly. It's uh, well, it's um, well, it's a 
2014 documentary, well, mockumentary from yeah. New Zealand. Uh, and it's a like horror comedy. Um, and it's about vampires uh, living together. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. It's uh, very funny, very weird. Uh, that man has got very and very interesting brain, I would say. Um, yeah, Taika Waititi, he's got a, yeah, yeah. He's a very unique comedy voice, I think. Definitely. And it's it's a shame that, well, I feel, I can't believe I just discovered him now, just after Jojo Rabbit. Um, and I wasn't even going to go and see Jojo Rabbit if it was hadn't been for you saying, go and see Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Um, because uh, I've got a weird thing about people not speaking the language in the film. <laughs> But that's a yeah. Um, but then Judge Rabbit was amazing, of course, and I thought this was really good as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was very interesting and funny and extremely silly. Yeah, it's so silly. Yeah. Have you seen Hunt for the Wilder People? No, no, that's my next one. Yeah, you should watch it because that came between Judge Rabbit and. Mm what we do in the shadows and it exists between the two films thematically in a way as well. Cause it's, it's sillier than Jojo rabbit, but it's not as silly as what we do in the shadows and it's more serious than what we do in the shadows, but it's not quite as serious as Jojo rabbit. It's almost like a <laughs> test run for what he then did with Jojo rabbit. It's quite an interesting, it's a really good film. Sam Neill has, gives a really good performance in it. Ah, um, so yeah. Good. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I, I will. And then, uh, that's what well, I finally finished big little lies. Finally. Oh, lovely. It, the good. ending Enjoyed is it. so good. Yeah. I don't think you needed a second series, but they're doing a se- they've done a second series, which have you watched it? Oh, you said oh right, okay. So you finished the first series I of Big f- Little I Lies. I first I finished the first series season. I see. Yeah, they have done the second series. It came out a while ago. Yeah. Have you watched yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it worth it? Um, it's not as good as the first series, but it's worth it just to spend another Ten hours with those characters, if you see what I mean. Okay, okay. Like I kind of liked the characters so much by the end, and also Laura Dern, who's one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, she has quite a small role in the first series. Mm. She gets a much bigger role in the second series, and watching her perform that character um, is is always entertaining. And Mel Streep is in the second series. Yeah, I what I I I read about it, and so I thought, oh, be quite good to see. Um, You should watch it, but don't expect it to be as revelatory. Okay, expect to you know have a good time with it. It's enjoyable. Yeah. But such a good series. It's so good. It's yeah. um, the ending for me was so, and, and that's why I didn't think you needed a second series because I know it's incredible. You want more, but um, I, how it ended for me was just perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I'm giving myself a little bit of a break until before I start the the new. Yeah, one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't jump straight into. Wait until you've forgotten season one a little bit, so that it, season two doesn't suffer by comparison. Yeah, it, I think it does stand. It stands up, but it's not. You know, it's not the same as series. No, I don't think you could be. No. But yeah, that's that's it for me this week. I've been very kind of. Uh, it's too hot in Italy to do anything, so you're just uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're just an amoeba. How about you, Judge? How about me? I uh, first, I'm going to talk about two things that aren't. A film or music okay yeah uh, i played a, i played a game this week that i wanted to talk to you about because it seemed to me like the kind of game that you would enjoy mm-hmm. quite a lot yeah uh, i played it on my pc i bought it on steam 
Uh, and I just bought it because it was very cheap and it looked like something I would like. And I did like it a lot. Mm. And it is called Assemble with Care. Okay. And it's a little indie game and it's kind of 80s themed. You play as this character who's uh, an antique restorer or she's like a professional restorer. She's on a trip around the world and she turns up at the start of the game in a kind of European-esque town called Bella Riva. I, I assume it's fictional. I didn't research that, but I don't think it's a real place. Mm. But she turns up in this place and sets out to help people in the town by restoring their old uh, things that have broken. And each level of the game is a different object that you need to fix. Mm. <clears throat> and it starts out really simple with a little girl that gives you her Walkman that's broken. and. Oh. It presents. It gives you a Walkman on the screen, and you can turn it round and mm. see the screw on the back. And you get a little screwdriver, and you unscrew the back and take the back off. And you just—it's never that difficult. It's not like looking at a real Walkman and trying to work out why it's why it's not working. It's always obvious what the problem is, but it's just the fun kind of tact, uh, tactile aspect of moving mm. the different pieces around. And then the story in between each thing you fix is a very simple story about there's only really five characters. There's you, who's the restorer, and then there's a little girl and her father, who's the mayor, Mm. and their relationship is suffering after the death of the mother and Mm. they're kind of struggling to connect. And then there's a a woman who owns a cafe and her sister and their relationship is struggling uh, and it's kind of become all focused on money and not really Mm. about what the emotions are. And through fixing their broken objects, you might also help to fix broken relationships through the course Aww. of the game. Yeah, and it took me probably about an hour to complete it. It's really, really short, mm. but it was absolutely brilliant. Like, it, it's very simple. The story isn't that complicated. Mm. It's not doing anything kind of really outrageous or different, but it's just a really nice story, well told, mm. with these really fun little puzzles of fixing these uh, objects. You know, like a Walkman, there's a telephone, mm. there's a vinyl player. It's good. It was a really good game, um, and it doesn't take up much of anyone's time, and I'm pretty sure you can play it on phones as well as PCs, and I think most computers would be able to run it because it's fairly low-tech. So, yeah, uh, you should check it out. Yeah, the, graphic, uh, the graphics look amazing. They're really simple yeah, a, and lovely. Yeah, Aww. it's got a very cool graphical style, very simple, reserved, mm. sort of clean lines and stuff, which works. for You, you need that with... The gameplay, it needs to all be very simple mm. to understand. And it is, it works perfectly. Mm. So, yeah. So, there's that. Um, and the second thing that I wanted to talk about briefly was I've been playing with Lego Super Mario, <laughs> which came out recently. And I got the starter kit uh, as a birthday present to myself. And it's a physical Lego kit that comes with a little Mario that has a. S- <laughs> <laughs> He has a sensor on him, and you build yeah. levels out of Lego, and the sensor can detect what colour block he's on, and the enemies have little barcodes on them, and when you push him, when you drop him on top of the enemy, it makes a little exploding noise as he defeats no. them. Yeah, and then uh, you have a start, a pipe that you start on, and you have a flag that you finish on, and the main thing is you make a level that starts and ends with those, and you scan him on the pipe, and it starts a 60-second timer, and then you have a minute to get as many coins with the other things you can do. Uh, with the Lego pieces as possible and then you tap him on the flag to finish and it's all about seeing how many coins you got and it's really fun my mum played it my brother played it a bit we were competing to see how many coins we could get but is it uh, physical it's not a video game it's physical it's not a video game it's physical Lego bricks that you build yourself what and it's got these little codes on them yeah it's really really cool the only downside to it is because it's Lego it's really expensive so the starter kit that I brought 
comes with enough to make a really basic level. Mm. And then obviously you want to start making more complicated things and there's all these exciting, complicated things that exist. Yeah. And they all cost, you know, £20, £30, £90 if you want Bowser's Castle. So I won't be expanding <laughs> it that much at the moment, but uh, it was really fun and interesting. And it's something that LEGO have never done before. They've got loads of licensed things like Star Wars mm. and Back to the Future and Ghostbusters, but they've never made something that's so interactive and unique. And trust Nintendo to be the company that kind of come in and make them. They were like, if you want to make a Lego Mario thing, you have to make it like a game. And they did, and it's great. And and Mario has, the Lego Mario has a little screen inside him so that his eyes and his mouth move and animate, and he has a little screen on his chest that uh, shows you how many coins you've got and things. It's good. You should look up. There's YouTube videos showing it and things. Mm. And, uh, Definitely. Yeah, out. I'm just yeah. looking at the pictures. It looks really interesting. It's very cute. And, yeah. you know, obviously obviously it's mainly for children, but you <laughs> you know that I really like Lego. So yeah. I was definitely, and I love Mario. So it was definitely something I was going to be uh, looking at. Legos so, yeah. are not for children. Legos are for everyone. Legos are for everyone, but some people think that it's for children. But to those people, I say, what about football? Is it not for children? <laughs> Come on. Grow up. Right. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, well, now I know what to buy you for your birthdays, you know. Oh, absolutely. Always. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, other than that, I've only watched four films this week. Wow. I know. It's shocking. Shocking. I watched a H.P. Lovecraft ab- adaptation called Colour Out of Space, mm. which has got Nicolas Cage in one of his... It was it only came out last year. It's one of his rare engaged performances uh, from... From him, and that's a brilliant film. If you're interested in H.P. Lovecraft at all, mm. you've probably already heard of it or seen it. Yeah. But if you haven't, then definitely give it a watch. It's got some brilliant Cronenbergian body horror stuff going on. That's quite grim and gross and fun and practical. So yeah, that's good. And then I watched a film I've seen before called 1917, which came out Ooh. earlier this year. The war film. Have you seen that film? Yes. Yes. So it was my second time watching it, and I was. I still think it's an incredible movie. It's yeah. a five star film. Mm. But the second time, it was a bit, it dragged a bit for me. It was a bit dull okay. in terms of, mm. especially there's a point in it where you're only really following one character and there's not much dialogue. Mm. And if you think of, about a film that we talked about last week, for example, The Big Lebowski, every yeah. time you watch that film, there's new lines to pick up on, there's new yeah. little moments to enjoy. Mm. 1917 is a bit like a roller coaster. It's the exact same ride every time. Yeah. And once you've done it once, mm. it's still fun to do it again, but it doesn't quite have the same mm. pull. Do you see what I mean? You, can you see how that would be the case? I, I think so, <clears throat> yes. But the ci- cin- cinematography is so amazing that it's just enjoyable yes. to watch. Definitely. I think. But I haven't seen it again. I came out of the cinema amazed by that film and yeah. how you, how you, you, the amazing work he did. It's... And uh, yeah, I, I, if I, I'll let you know if when I watch it again if I feel yeah, I'd be like. Interested to know. I mean, the cinematographer for 1917 was Roger Deakins, Mm. and the fact that I know his name tells you how famous he is, because I don't know any other cinematographers. (laughs) And he's done a lot of films. I think he did Arrival. He does a lot of Denny Villeneuve's movies, so Sicario, Mm. Arrival. Uh, He did one of the Bonds. I think he did Skyfall. Mm. You can almost tell a film. Skyfall. Is that the one we watched together? No, I think we watched Spectre together. Oh, okay. He might have done Spectre, I'm not sure. He definitely did. I'm sure he did Skyfall. Because, like, the first scene in Spectre. Yes, exactly. But in is a crazy. And one shot a mm. bit like 1917. Um, mm. And, yeah, no, he did an amazing job in 1917. Mm. And I wouldn't say it's a bad film as a result of not enjoying it as much the second time, but I definitely didn't find it as 
easy to watch the second time. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, quick water break. And then I watched <laughs> I watched a film called The Vanishing, which is a Dutch film called Sporlus in its original title mm. that very nearly made it onto my top five mm. international films for this week, but didn't quite make it. I put another film in at my number five space instead, mm. which we'll talk about later. But The Vanishing is a really good film. It's a thriller in the vein of Alfred Hitchcock kind of films. And it is about a couple that go, they're Dutch and they go on holiday in France and they stop at a service station. She goes into the service station to get drinks and he suddenly realises 10 minutes later she's not come back and she has vanished. Hmm. And the film is kind of about his obsession with trying to find out what happened to her. Um, And it's quite, I mean, it's been described by some people as one of the scariest films ever made and I didn't find it scary but i found mm. it really tense and thrilling and exciting and it's an amazing thriller it's really really well made would recommend checking it out mm. uh, if you haven't seen it and then the fourth film i watched was part of my homework so we'll talk about that in a moment the only ah. other thing to mention yeah is uh i listened to the new album by fontaine's dc have you heard of them no fontaine's dc are an irish band from dublin sort mm. of irish working class post-punk band their first album came out last year called Dogwall. It's a brilliant album, mm. really raw and quite rocky and energetic. And then very quickly they've turned around a second album within, I think, 18 months of the first, which is called A Hero's Death. It came out last week, and it's so different to the first album. It's still a post-punk album, but it's not got the rocky edge to it. It's much more ballady and reserved, mm. but the lyrics are incredible. And I just listened to it again and again and again and again. And I really love it. And it's uh, definitely worth checking out if you like bands like Idols Mm. or The Murder Capital. You know, general post-punk bands. Mm. If you like them, you've probably already heard of Fontaine's DC. But if you haven't, you should definitely check out both of their albums, but particularly the new one, which is fantastic. So before homework, I would like to say a couple of things. So I think you were trying to, you're subtly trying to make me like Hamilton. Because you sent me a YouTube video <laughs> to watch, didn't you, last week? I did, yeah. Uh, of um, him performing for the first time, uh, My Shot. Is it My Shot? No, it's the title track. It's called Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton, thank you. Um, for the first time at the White House and kind of um, showing it to Obama and Michelle. And so In 2009, before the musical existed. Yes, so yeah. the first kind of you know idea of it. And then after that, my YouTube was <laughs> spammed by Hamilton, like spammed. I don't know what, what this uh, musical has, but you watch one video once and then there's another one. And of course, I clicked on a few videos because. And then after that, I watched um, the cast of uh, Hamilton um, doing uh, the show at the White House after yeah. it got released. Yeah. And uh, I first watched Obama's speech and that made me like it a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> and, well, no, well, going back after you sent me the first video, I thought, oh, this is, this is, this is good. I like it. It was a bit more raw. I liked it. And then I clicked okay. on uh, the various videos at the White House and I yeah. watched um, Obama's speech. And then I started listening to some music and... I started singing songs in my head and enjoying them. So today I have Breathless in my head. 
Yeah. Do you mean helpless? Helpless, not breathless. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I think it's because at the moment I'm using two languages too much. But helpless. you haven't put bre- you haven't put breathless in your top five international oh. films, have you? Is that why you've? No. 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 Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Helpless. Uh, helpless. And I've been singing it breathless all morning, but never mind. <laughs> breathless. <laughs> breathless. And um, then last night I saw uh, another uh, uh, a news thing, a Fox News thing from three years ago right. saying that um, President Trump was asking the cast of Hamilton to apologize because um, uh, th- in the audience, uh, th- one of th- in one of the ev- nights they were performing, uh, yeah. there was the vice president uh, Mike Pence, yes. and when it ended, they did a speech about you know uh, we're talking about America and uh, the the amount of like. Um, cultures there are and we are multicultural cast talking to you thinking that you're not representing us and I don't know like the more I know the more That's... I can appreciate Hamilton and I have to tell you because I don't I didn't I, I feel maybe I started in the wrong foot I'm very bad with things that when they're super people when people get obsessed about things I'm always very skeptical and yeah. uh, I was very skeptical about the decisions made and why Hamilton was chosen. But now it makes started making more sense and more uh, like about inclusion and uh, striving to be the best you can be. And yeah, and so maybe I'll watch it again. But I can I'm. I, Knowing more about the show makes me appreciate it more. Yeah, I think you've got with that background, you can definitely appreciate it a lot yeah. more. Yeah, and and thinking about how it wasn't that he was, there wasn't like a group of Broadway producers that sat down and looked at all the no. founding fathers and yeah. picked one kind of thing. It was much more. He was inspired by the. Yeah. He read the book. He found it inspiring. Yeah. The musical itself isn't specifically critiquing the founding fathers necessarily, but it certainly is aware of the issues with them and it puts in and you can tell and there's arguments out there and there's people out there that have said it should be more critical but it definitely mentions talks about discusses and it it's a, a discusses these issues such as slavery mm. and problems like that and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily come out as a big anti-slavery message in the in the play or anything like that but it has gotten people talking more and thinking more about the founding fathers maybe mm. Yeah, and whenever whenever Lin Manuel Miranda has been presented with criticisms like that, he's always said, "Yeah, I it, that they are problems with it, and it's a mm. two and a half hour musical, and I could only fit so much in." And I, mm. what I wanted to do was tell a story of an immigrant making a life for himself in America, and also maybe show how flawed the country is, and mm. that it's not perfect, and it can be fixed, and yeah, and that kind of thing. So I'm glad that you've sort of starting to see that a bit. Yeah, but I think you are like subtly trying to make me like it, which I only by sending you that video. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's such a good video. It's so Everyone good. Watch it's it. so good. But last night it kind of tipped me over the edge of like, yeah, this is this is an important work because uh, Mike Pence didn't even listen to the speech. He apparently he left before because you know he doesn't care. Nobody, you know, and and then the fact that Trump doesn't like it, I kind of don't want to be on that side of not liking it. <laughs> So I wanted to be, but um, I think the more you know about it, I think the more I could appreciate it. Sit down at the back and be quiet and 
get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Now. Okay, um, I'm going to start lists, so you should start homework. Okay, um, so I watched <clears throat> Midsummer. Wow. Midsummer. Yeah. But I didn't watch the director's cut, I just watched the normal. Uh, That's fine, the normal edition standard. is totally acceptable. Box standard normal edition. So yeah. um, the build up for me was more. So uh, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh my God, wait, George. And then I thought, oh, maybe I can't watch it because I won't be able to find it anywhere. It was so easy to find. <laughs> 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 I was just thinking about all the excuses. And then I thought, oh, can I watch Nuts in May? I was like, I don't think I can watch somebody camping for two, an hour and a half. Uh, oh, okay. Well, okay. I was quite well, dismissive about one of my favorite no, films. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was trying to make excuses. I'm sure Natsume right. is fine and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to say I love it. Um, so I watched it and um, I really, really enjoyed it. Good. I think it's really, really good. It's very intense from the start. Yeah. I like mean, the first the 10 minutes are... <laughs> yeah, but from the get-go... The colors, the the surroundings, the the this the music, everything um, is intense. So mm-hmm. I I it just started you with feeling tense, um, and uh, I don't want to talk too much about what happens because I feel like anything could be a spoiler. Like for me, it it's a film that, in my opinion, you should go and watch without knowing anything yeah that's true because um uh, i think just the bit of her parents you know what happens to her parent yeah for me that was a spoiler already because i don't know it it just because you know it's gonna happen but for me i I think it's one of those films that you have to watch totally unaware of what's going to happen um but yeah uh florence Pugh is a force of nature in that film like don't you think i mean if it wasn't a horror movie don't you think she should have been nominated for an oscar for that film i mean don't you think her performance is i mean i'm putting words in your mouth there sorry but i think her performance (laughs) is incredible really really good she is amazing the the way she deal she's amazing she's an incredible actress she's so good and in this film she is uh, i have no words i have no words she's the best thing about the film i think um yeah that and the that, i mean cuz there's another movie hereditary which is scarier and yeah. you'll probably struggle to watch but i yeah. sure to decide which i prefer between midsummer and hereditary mm. and ultimately i come down on the side of Midsummer, not because of Florence Pugh, because I'm forgetting mm. her name. I think it's Tony Collette in Hereditary is Tony Collette, as good yeah. as Florence Pugh is in, yeah. in Midsummer. Really, but the, uh. the cinematography and the look of Midsummer is oh. so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful films ever shot, it's in my opinion. So and that is what amazing. For that edges Midsummer for me. Just everything is has got a like the the colors are beautiful. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a scene, uh, there's a shot where at one point the camera totally like uh, pans and goes upside down. Yes, when they're and driving the car. When they're the driving the car and you feel cease, you feel sick and yeah. you feel it's so creepy. And I love there's a moment that she runs away and uh, she's running away, but she's not getting any further from you. 
She's yeah. getting close. It just the way he does things is amazing. Mm. The trips on drugs are the most realistic trips I have ever seen on a film. There's such subtle CGI in those bits, aren't there? Where it, yeah. you don't even notice necessarily no. it would be CGI. No, the one point was like are... everything is moving. Yeah, and and the thing that on especially with the you know hallucinogenics that you, anything can switch and turn, and the subtleness of it because it because a lot of films make them kind of make the mistakes mistake of people like oh i'm tripping but they are just subtle because that's yeah. it's just an internal trip that you're having mm. and the moment that you know somebody mentions family she, it triggers her and, yeah. and and but it's so subtle and so realistic it's it's a beautiful beautiful film yeah and it is. scary but scary in a creepy what's going to happen uh oh my goodness uh way but yeah. not as you know i'm not going to sleep at night because of it it's just more like a yeah. kind of creepy sensation of what's going to happen mm. um and being I, able to do that in a film that's set entirely in the daytime pretty much yeah. it's it's pretty impressive i think and the what i felt how you know in cult movies you kind of feel really weird about the cult itself i did not feel that I felt that it it was like I don't know I didn't feel angry with the cult I didn't feel like they were overpowering overwhelming it was just very natural this That's is how that, these are the things are I think that point yeah. you made especially to not without giving it away it's it's important for the ending of the movie that that's yeah. the way you feel about them. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is how things are, and that's it. Yeah, and and it's interesting. Like, I wish I could say more, but I feel like I would spoil it. it no, just, I understand because there's so many little things that you you could say, but it could, would spoil it for for a viewer because it's so well done, and the relationships which I would say between the women, I liked that. Like a male director that could make women so connected, I think that is really, really impressive. Yeah, there's a scene involving some screaming near the end. That is yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, oh, my, I cried. I was crying. <laughs> I was crying. Like, I didn't imagine that a horror film would make me cry. Um, but um, it's... Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And do you think it would be worth the one thing I didn't enjoy? Yeah, is just maybe some things could have been a bit more um, looked into a little bit more. Some scenes seemed really rushed, yeah. but is it because it's not? Would it be? Would I be more satisfied with watching the director's cut? I definitely think the director's cut is the better version of the film mm. and is worth watching. And it definitely, the, one of the main things it does is it gives the room, the film more room to breathe and more mm. space. So mm. it doesn't feel rushed. I mean, because it's close to three hours long, the director's cut yeah. is really, really long. Yeah. And then the main, the biggest thing it does is give much more texture to the relationship between Florence Pugh and her boyfriend, mm. played by is it Jack Rayner. There's, oh, it, there lot. was enough texture for me that I was just there was enough <laughs> texture for me. I I'm it gives it a bit. Anymore. It gives it a bit more. <laughs> I don't know. It gives it a bit more shape. Yeah, um, the director's cut. There's, yeah. a, there's a, one scene in particular. I think there's one scene in particular in the director's cut that it really shocks me isn't in the original cut because it really does 
show much more of the okay. motivation of both of those characters and kind of gives a bit more history to their relationship. Okay. Uh, I think the film is stronger with that mm. scene in it. And then the rest of the director's cut is mostly like you just said about giving the other scenes more room to breathe and mm. a bit more kind of space. So yeah. when you're ready to go really again, good. check it out. Mm. Yeah, because I thought it was really good, but I just needed in certain parts, I, I think I needed a little bit more and I could have watched more of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm i glad you, because I would have not watched it if you hadn't <laughs> told me to watch it because uh, yeah. I, it's, um, well, I don't know. The trailer, I think, is more daunting than the film. I think watching the film, you make you feel a bit... I don't know, better, because also it's open, it's yeah. light, uh, everybody's wearing white, so it's yeah. kind of a bit more easy to manage. Yeah, but I, I mean, thought... the, tra- the trailer wants to sell you a horror film, because that's yeah. how it was marketed, but yeah. it's not really a horror film. Mm. I mean, it is a horror film, but it's not overwhelmingly scary in the way that some horror films are like hereditary is I, like i would tell you to watch midsummer i would tell you i wouldn't really tell you to watch hereditary i'd say that it'd be brilliant if you did watch hereditary because mm. it's, it's equal to midsummer mm. but it is terrifying as well mm. yeah because after that i thought I, I i have to watch hereditary but then no i can't i'm too big for my boots no no one day one day one in day, a safe environment you should you one should day watch it. at seven o'clock in the morning i'll watch it and hopefully yeah. forget it by the time i go to bed um but it's much more related the horror in hereditary is much more relatable it's set in a family home kind of thing it's, it's oh, not as yeah. yeah it's not as far removed in the way midsummer is but but that's good i'm, I'm glad i'm I'm very mm. glad that you liked midsummer mm. yes i would okay. give it 4.5 out of 5 nice the 0.5 is because you know why is there a director's cut why not put more in the film well yeah that's true but i mean it would have been it's tough to re- theatrically release a movie that is quite as long, <laughs> yes. as long as a midsummer, let alone as long as the Dota's quiz. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Shall we talk <laughs> about Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. Let's cool. talk about Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket is a Vietnam War movie directed by Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. released in 1987, so one year before I was born. Two years after I was born. Three years after you were born. It stars. Vincent D'Onofrio as Private Pyle, mm-hmm. Arlie Ermey as Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, mm-hmm. and Matthew Modine as Private Joker. They're kind of the primary yeah. actors in the film. The structure is quite odd to the film, mm. in that the first 40 minutes is entirely set in Marine training camp. Mm. Focusing mostly on Private Pyle and the way he's treated by Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, yeah. the, the sort of training officer. Mm-hmm. Then after 40 minutes, it skips ahead to Vietnam. Yeah. Where those two characters aren't in the movie anymore at that point. And the focus shifts entirely to Matthew Modine's Private Joker for the next hour and 20 minutes. Mm. So the first 40 minutes are incredible. Mm are amazing. Vincent D'Onofrio's performance as Private Pyle mm. is Oscar-worthy, is is stunning. He plays the kingpin in the recent Netflix mm. Daredevil show, and I okay. was really impressive in that. I thought he was mm. incredible in that, and I hadn't really seen him in much before, and seeing him in Full Metal Jacket, which was, I think, his first film role, 
Mm. You can see there the incredible actor he's going to become. He's so good in that role as this sort of put-upon, bullied Marine in training who Mm. can't compete with the others, isn't as good as the others, he's overweight, (laughs) isn't as smart as the others. Yeah. And then Arlie Ermey as as Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, I mean, the fact that he was allowed to improvise his dialogue in a Stanley Kubrick movie kind of tells Mm. you everything about how powerful his performance is. It's... Something yeah. I've, it's like something I've never seen before. Yeah. And the first 40 minutes are these endless scenes of the marching in perfect unison mm. and him just shouting and these long mm. takes of him just going in on these characters. Yeah. And you can totally understand how painful it must have been and the, the, the events that happen at the end of that mm. first section of the film completely make sense in the context of what has been built up. And it's like this tight little almost horror film that you're watching. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite... It, uh, stressful yeah you would, really stressful. like yeah and you want it but, to stop in a way because it's just too also, much some of his insults are so creative that it's hard not to laugh at it at points <laughs> as well like it makes you yeah. laugh at it mm. even though mm. at the same time you understand how hor- horrendous and horrific it is mm. and i thought it was in just just brilliant just really really good then after that 40 minutes the hour and 20 minutes spent in vietnam mm. with Private Joker, I have to be honest, I didn't like that bit of the film. Okay. And that is the majority of the film. It yeah. was, sh- it, he, I mean, he's a master. He's an absolute, I've liked all of his other films I've seen. Mm. And he's he's really good at filming, but ultimately he didn't leave England to film a Vietnam War movie. He filmed it entirely at like a disused gas works in, in the UK. Mm. And if you watch a movie like Apocalypse Now, you see these incredible, huge vistas that mm. stretch out, and you see the country, you see Vietnam, and you and you, it kind of puts you in there. And I felt like Full Metal Jacket kind of doesn't do that, and it it but, sort of doesn't have. It felt like to me there wasn't much point to that part of the film. I didn't really understand what he was trying to get across, other than that war is bad, and I kind of I already mm. agree with that. I know that already. I mean, I mean that's another part of the issue with it for me is that like. There's only really four Vietnamese characters in that bit of the mm. film. Mm. And two of those are prostitutes and one of them is a pimp. Mm. And then the other is a sniper. Um, yeah. And that scene, the, the scene that it ends on is quite affecting. Mm. But everything that leads up to that doesn't really work for me. And the fact that, yeah, the main kind of experience you get seeing the people of Vietnam are these sort of Mm. over-the-top caricatures of, of prostitutes and pimps and stuff just mm. sort of doesn't do much to paint a picture of, of the country they were going into and destroying. And mm. I don't know. I, I, it just, I'm not a big fan of war movies anyway, and maybe it's because that first se- se- section of the film is so, so good. Yeah. But when the second section started, I just found myself a bit bored and wanting more of what I wasn't had been, not necessarily enjoying, but had been engaged with. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely a shift uh, in the film, and uh, the first part is definitely incredible. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you made me watch it because it's a Stanley Kubrick film, and mm. those should all be watched, and they've all got merit, and it does have merit. But I think it says a lot that whenever it's talked about, people generally talk about um, mm. stuff from that first section of the film. Mm. I really like Stanley Kubrick, and I, I, I like the the range that he had and the way that he managed to make a uh, a war a Vietnam war film but definitely the second part is not as good as the first part um the and i think probably that that's what makes the film doesn't it 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If it was just, if it was a film that was an hour and a half long and it was just about the Vietnam War sections, I wouldn't yeah, like it at all. Yeah, it would have been awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, and it didn't I'm... feel like the events of the first section had really impacted mm. much on the character you then follow in the second section. He didn't seem that changed by it. He seemed really blasé still about everything and quite detached. Maybe that's meant to be as a result yeah. of what he'd seen in training, but it just, for me... Mm. didn't work that well yeah yeah because they are detached when they get there and i think because they have no humanity left have they yeah because they've been stripped of their humanity i would watch that first bit again uh any day but mm. i would then yeah. probably t- t- turn over to yeah videos of cats or something <laughs> to relax yeah <laughs> yeah okay that's our homework shall we discuss our top five international films Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. Good, 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 good. I'm a, I'm a, and I am starting this week, yeah? You are starting this week, yeah. Good. Uh, my number five pick is a film that is primarily in French. It is a thriller and it is called Tell No One. Or in its original French, it is Ne le di a person. <laughs> and I've pronounced that really badly and I don't know what it means but that's I, I wanted to put in the original titles of all these films so what well, means tell no one doesn't it don't tell any people yeah there we go we'll see yeah. you know I don't I can't <laughs> I thought maybe it meant there isn't anyone what, <laughs> what no, is it per, no what per, person is it not person 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 yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. Maybe, yeah. okay yeah good <laughs> it's have you seen it no no okay it's a French it's a thriller about a doctor who uh, lives in Paris, I think, and his one day he is knocked unconscious and his wife is murdered by a serial killer. Oh. Mm. And then it cuts to about 15 years later, possibly. I've not watched it in a few years, but it cuts to you know a good chunk of time later. He is implicated in some other murders and the police want to question him and he receives an email and the email has secure CCTV footage of a train station like a day earlier that shows mm. his wife alive and well. Mm. And the rest of the film is him attempting to both clear his name and find out what what is happening with his wife, why, he's, why she's supposedly on this footage when she was killed 15 years ago. And mm. it's just a really, really good psychological thriller. It moves with a pace it moves with an incredible pace it's got Mm. a really twisty interesting story and the acting in it is top absolute top notch and i think i saw it in the cinema it came out in like 2006 Mm. and i've watched it a few times since then and i really like psychological thrillers i really like kind of propulsive chase movies where somebody's on the run a bit like the fugitive maybe Mm. and it's just it's possibly my favorite one of those kinds of films and a bit like we were talking earlier people have this idea that International movies are quite arty and dramatic mm. and slow, maybe. And Tell No One is none of those things. It is just an incredibly entertaining film. And I'd recommend it to anyone. And interestingly, it is based on a Harlan Coben novel, which mm. was originally set in America. So it was adapted by the French and transplanted to France. And it was the first one of his novels to be adapted at all. And since then... Um, Netflix have adapted several of his books into incredibly successful series, uh, most recently this year with one called The Stranger. Mm. And France were totally ahead of the curve. They got there right at the start with one of his earliest books and and well done them. And it's quite interesting, often 
a foreign work would be taken and adapted and put in America or England. It's quite interesting to see the opposite happen successfully mm. as well and see how that see how that's yeah been done. So yeah, tell no one. Nice. Sounds good. It is good. Mm. <laughs> No, but that's the thing about um, foreign language films is not just looking at the West, but also at the English language films. They're just films, aren't they? Yeah. So they're not meant to be artistic. It's just a different way of uh, a different kind of cinema, isn't it? Yeah. 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 The only thing that's different really is the language people are speaking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So not all, but I think because when you watch a for uh, like an international film, maybe you feel like, oh, I'm watching something amazing. But maybe it's just what, like what you just watched, just a thriller. Yeah, exactly. A very good thriller. A very good thriller. And you said it's mainly in French. What's the other language? Um, I don't think there is another language. It's just, uh, No, it's when I was looking up. Sorry. It's not. It's you when said I was, it's mainly in French. Because the <laughs> the criteria for a film to be nominated for Best International Feature at the Oscars is that it's primarily in a language other than English. Because obviously most films will have a scene or two that might be in English or people might yeah. speak English for a moment. So it's just the way they describe it and it's just stuck in my head as a turn of phrase a moment ago. So it's, it's in French, but obviously there might be a scene where somebody says a word in Spanish or something. I don't know. But it's primarily in French. It's a French film. Is that okay? No, no, that's fine. It's just that I, I, just, I wasn't thinking the way you were thinking. <laughs> so I thought, well, it's a French film. Is there another language? Because it could have been, you know, French-German. Well, no, because The Vanishing, and this is the movie that I put on in place of The Vanishing, which I talked about watching earlier. Mm. That is a Dutch film, but because they go on holiday to France, quite a lot of it is in French. So it's that is definitely a film that's in two languages. Yeah. It's in Dutch yeah. and French. But no, Tell yeah. No One is, is essentially, for all intents and purposes, in French. In French. It is primarily in French. Very good. Yeah. So, so what is your number one, five? <laughs> number one, five. Um, it, if, for me, uh, I know I say it every week, but it was difficult because most of my films were Japanese. So this week, so I tried to find like the best films that I've watched from different countries. Yes, I tried to do a similar thing, but because I watched, failed slightly. Yeah, well, because I watch a lot of... Japanese films, yeah. uh, because I love Japanese cinema. Uh, and so I was, <laughs> I was thinking, I can't just skip my top five Japanese films. So I tried to um, find films from each con- uh, from different countries. Yes. So my top, my number five is a um, film from Italy. Okay. Uh, and the title is um, Le Fate Ignoranti, which is the Ignorant Fairies. But the US uh, title is uh, His Secret Life. His Secret uh, Life. Which I feel like they they really made a mess with the title because um, I don't think that should be in the title. But never mind. Uh, but yeah, it's... Um, uh, it's uh, directed by this uh, Turkish-Italian uh, director called Ferzan Ospitek, and okay. it came out in 2001. Okay. And um, it's, um, so, um, it's about this uh, woman who's, who thought that her life was pretty normal uh, until her husband dies 
And then um, after he dies, she finds out about a secret life that he's had. Um, and I don't really want to say anything more really about the plot because it's it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and it's a, it's a drama about uh, prejudice, prejudice, prejudice uh, about homosexuality, well, mainly about well, the LGBTQ community, um, bonding, friendship, how um, your your ideas can change by learning about new, new ways of thinking. Um, the acting is really good. It's all in Italian. There's no mm. other language. Uh, and yeah, I uh, I really, really like it. And I think um, um, Italy being a, a country at the time more close than we thought we were, uh, we're still very close. Um, but, you know, opening a little bit more and kind of showing a different community in the big screen. I think it was a very important film. So that's why I chose it as my number five. Interesting. I've never, ever heard of it. So thank you for recommending mm. it. Because, yeah, going off the poster that pops up when you search for His Secret Life on Google, it wouldn't be a mm. film I'd naturally <laughs> go to watch. Yeah. It mm. looks a bit like a director video kind of mm. Yeah, film that you wouldn't pay any attention to. So it's good to know that that's not true and it's a good film and worth checking out. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Widening my view of the world. Yeah, but I, I don't like the title they chose in America because I feel you could, especially in 2001, you could watch a film without knowing much about it. And you, his yeah. secret, and I, I enjoy that. I don't, you're not somebody that does, maybe. Uh, but I enjoy maybe knowing less about the film and i think uh the ignorant fairies is not is it makes a little bit more you you discover more watching the film but his secret life kind of tells you that he had a secret life from the start so you could make a very long documentary series about how international films have been butchered and ruined by various uh, american distributors over the years yeah so yeah and dubbers Oh, and what dubbers? Dubbers. Well, yeah, I, I tend to oh. avoid try try to watch movies in the original language. Yeah, yeah. So and that's it. Okay, yeah. Okay, My good. number five. That's your number five. My number four then is mm. a Danish film mm -hmm. called The Hunt. Oh, oh, or in its original Danish title, it is <laughs> called Jagten or Jagten. I think it's Jagten. <laughs> Jagten. Jagten. 2012 drama and it stars Mass Mickelson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen The Hunt? No, I've no. seen a trailer and that's it. Okay. <laughs> but I know who the guy that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He played, you'll, American, you know, audiences will be familiar with him from playing lots of villains in kind of Hollywood films like Doctor Strange and Casino Royale and mm, the Hannibal yeah. TV show. Um, the Hunt is a really good, almost rare opportunity to see him playing a normal man <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to some kind of wild, uh, crazed murder or something. And yeah, it's an incredible, powerful drama. And I watched it for the first time, I think last year. And it just, you know, sometimes you just sat down and you just fancy watching a film and you just think, mm. oh, I've, I've never seen this. I'll give this a try. And then suddenly, like half an hour in, you realize you're watching one of your favorite films for the first time, mm. kind of thing. And it was a bit like that with me with The Hunt. I just, 
loved it. And it's a difficult watch. It's about a man who lives in a very small town in Denmark. The town is so small, he's ended up losing his job as a high school teacher because the intake of students has kind of reduced. Mm. And he's taken a job as a kindergarten teacher to make ends meet. And without giving away too much of the movie, the kind of the, the thing the plot moves on is there's a, a very young girl, like a six-year-old girl at this school, who develops a very innocent crush on him. Mm. And she makes, without realising what she's doing, she makes an accusation about him that leads to the town sort of turning on him, hence the title of the hunt. And as particularly as someone who works in education, it's it's kind of your worst nightmare mm, uh, put on definitely. film. Mm. But it's it's fascinating just as an as a examination of small town mentalities sometimes and kind of mob mentalities mm. and seeing what he goes through and how it affects him and how it affects his friendships in the town and stuff like that. It's just incredible. You're with him every step of the way. It wouldn't work if the performance wasn't so good, but Mass Mickelson is one of the greatest living actors and he really does turn in a really powerful performance in it. And I won't spoil anything about how it ends, but just to say that I was really enjoying the movie until the ending and then the, it has a it has a certain type of ending that I will always like a film more for having. And when it finished, I was just, I was like, right, that's it. That's one of my favourite movies. I was blown away cool. by it. So. Yeah, The Hunt, it's just a great film. And it's a, you know, it's got a good plot as well. It has some twists in it. It's not just all about this kind of drama. Actually, the story is interesting to, to sit through as well. So, yeah, The Hunt or Yagtan. 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 Oh, be interesting to watch. Would be interesting to watch. I would recommend it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. My number four. Oh. Uh, my number four is a French film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that everybody knows, and it's called Amelie. Oh, Amelie, okay. Um, so Amelie is a film that came out in 2001. I think it's called Amelie from Montmartre, the actual title. Uh, no, the... Fa- <sighs> <laughs> I'm not good with French. I, I'm never am I. Let's say Amelie. Amelie. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and written directed by Jean Pierre Jeunet, Jeunu, I don't know, and it's a uh, let's say a romantic comedy uh, starring Audrey Tatu, and uh, which play, plays uh, Amelie, and she uh, decides to wants to change the world and the lives of people around her. Um, it, it's. Uh, I really like it. I really like the um, the fact that it's um, stuck a bit like Wes Anderson. It's stuck in a time that you're not really sure uh, when it is. It's mm. in it's in Paris, but also in in a different reality of Paris. Mm. Um, I enjoyed the quirkiness uh of and the the surrealness of it yeah and i really like that the the main character is just this quirky person that you know uh, stands on the rooftop of a of of a building and thinks about all the people having an orgasm at that point moment in time (laughs) and i just i just i like how how it works and um French cinema not is not necessarily my favorite kind of cinema. It's um very intense. Um like the film you you told before you said before. It's probably extremely intense, isn't it? Um not intense in the way that I know you're describing. 
Ah, okay. Because I don't know. I've, but I know I found, what you mean. I found French cinema very intense, and I thought this was a very interesting, uh, you know, portrayal of mm. like a different kind, a bit different from usual. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, and that's why I I really like it. I I I like films that you don't really know exactly in one in where you are and mm. what point in time and yeah. um uh yeah i yeah that's why i chose my number that's my number four because i think it's one of my favorite french films good i i have never seen amelie you've never seen amelie no I've oh, i, I know just it's... spoiled it i just oh no you didn't well, i i well, already everything you just talked about i already knew okay okay yeah okay. um so it's fine. I've only I've only seen one of the director's movies, and it was the movie he made before Amelie, Alien Resurrection. Okay, how was it? Uh, everyone hates it. I really liked it, and it has a sensibility about it which I can I think is a sensibility that comes through in Amelie, and maybe people are more willing to accept that in a romantic comedy than they are uh, Alien monster movie. Yeah. But no, I I actually like Alien. I'm one of the very few people in the world that will defend Alien Resurrection. So, <laughs> so you might enjoy Emily. Yeah, I probably know. would. I should check it out. It's not, I've never seen it through just never getting around to it rather mm. than actively avoiding it, if you see what I mean. So Yeah. Because yeah. he did another film, which was really interesting, which is called uh, Delicatessen. <clears throat> So um, my uh, it was between Delicatessen and Amelie in number four okay. because uh, it's another of his films and that's really surreal. His film is set in a post-apocalyptic place and it's all about a butcher and some special meat. If you ever have time, watch it. So yeah, okay. he's a really good director, um, writer, direct, well, writer, director. Artist. Yeah, I was just I was just briefly looking at his Wikipedia page. I think Alien Resurrection is the only film he's directed that he didn't write as well. Mm, yeah, but yeah, I, I I like his style. I like how he does things and how he makes everything a little bit surreal. And I think you definitely should watch it, even if it's not your homework. <laughs> Good. No, I will get to it. Okay, so my number three film is my Japanese entry on the list, and it is a film called One Cut of the Dead. <laughs> oh, I have to watch it, don't I? Which yeah. <laughs> is in its original Japanese title is actually called Camera o Tomaru Na, which I think translates to Don't Stop the Camera, which in a way is a better title because it's less it, it One Cut of the Dead has been sold in the West as a horror film. It's even it streams on a horror streaming channel called Shudder. Mm. But mm. it, it isn't a horror film at all. But to talk about what it is, it's similar to what you were talking about with Midsummer, but even to an even more extreme degree. Mm. The joy of One Cut of the Dead is in not knowing anything about it and letting it reveal itself to you because it's it's one of the most inventive films I've ever seen in my life. And it, it's one of the, it's definitely a film on this list uh that would make my top top films mm. ever list. I absolutely love One Cut of the Dead. It was made because it's Japanese, there's not an endless amount of information that I've been able to find. About. No, there's quite a lot of information out there, but there's one thing that I've only seen reference to once, but I think it was made as like a student film, almost. Oh, hmm. It was made for 3 million yen, which is like nothing. That's like $25,000. Mm. Yeah. And it's supposedly it's, it's made history by earning back over a thousand times its budget in total. Mm. It's been really, really successful. 
um, because it's so good. And it's it's funny, it's heartwarming, it's sweet. It's exactly the kind of movie that you would enjoy. It's nominally a zombie film, <laughs> but it's not scary in the slightest. And all I can really say about it is that you have got to watch at least half an hour, 35 minutes. Hmm. And if you can get through the first 35 minutes of it, you will see exactly what I mean about it, exactly why I don't want to tell you anything about it. Okay. And you'll see why I love it. And then by the end of the film, I, I defy anyone to watch it and not love it by the end. It is such an incredible piece of work and so clever. The cast are wonderful. It's mm. it's just it's just perfect. It's just a beautiful, perfect movie that more people should watch. And it's it's it frustrates me that a lot of people have you included that I have told to watch it have not watched it because it's called One Cut of the Dead and because they think it's a horror film and it is not a horror <laughs> film. It is so much more than that. No, not more than that because horror films are very valid. It is so much not that. It is its own unique thing mm. and everyone should watch it. That was my cool. number three, One Cut of the Dead. You haven't seen it, so for the first time in three weeks, our number three choices aren't going to be the same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. How exciting. My number three yeah. is yeah. One Cut of the Dead. No. Um, no, it's not. My uh, number three is a uh, film from Brazil <gasps> uh, called City of God. Okay. I haven't seen it. Do you know it? Oh, yeah. I know it. Do you know about it? Yeah. I own it on and, Blu-ray, uh, but I haven't seen it. Portuguese title is Cidade de Deus, which I guess okay. it means City of God. Um, so <laughs> uh, it's an adaptation from a, a novel and it's kind of based on real events. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shows um, how a crime affects uh, the poor population in Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Uh, especially in this place, in this uh, place called the City of God, uh, which is a favela, mm-hmm. which started as a housing organization, but then you know, crime with crime, it got you know more dangerous. Mm. Uh, in fact, it wasn't actually filmed in the, the City of God. It was filmed in another um, area, close, but because it's too dangerous to film there, it um, it shows the life in the favela. Uh, which I find um, fascinating how um, communities live in uh, in places like that, and uh, uh, from from a from an outsider's perspective, you can imagine uh, you know just poverty and uh, crime, but it's also a community, a community of people that look after each other and uh, that work together, families, and so it's it's good to see a film uh, that goes into the favelas. Um, and uh, it it shows how it's how easy it is for these kids uh, to get into crime, to get into drug dealing, and how it is how difficult it is to not lead a life like that. And um, the main character. So there's um, 
three boys that kind of start together uh, doing petty crimes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, one of them goes to become like uh, the biggest um, kind of drug dealer in uh, the city of God. And the other one um, becomes, um, wants to be a photographer. So it kind of shows the two different things. Yeah. And the choices you make. And I thought mm. that was really good. And what I really like about the film is just, it's kind of like funny and enjoyable. I know, and you know, they're doing bad things, but there is one moment where something happens and the film totally changes. Okay. And it becomes very dark, quite dark. And um, so I, I like that. I like when f- films can just show you <clears throat> up, up a side of something but the balance is so delicate and so that it could just change into something different that one thing, especially when it comes with crime and drugs and poverty, one thing can change and suddenly uh, tables are turned and uh, you, you, you are either on the top or at the bottom. So mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I really like this film. Um, yeah. The City of God is a film that I've never seen, but is it quite long? Is it a long film? It's about two hours. Okay. It's not yeah. that long then. I don't know why. Because I, I used to own it on DVD and I never watched mm. it. And then I recently mm. bought it on Blu-ray and I still haven't watched it. Mm. And I don't know quite why. Other than other than that, I know it's quite a dark gangster movie and it's not a yeah. genre I often feel like watching. Or not mm. necessarily a gangster film, but like crime film. Mm. But it's definitely a film I should watch because I know and I've heard from so many different places that it's meant to be absolutely incredible and i know that i definitely really enjoy it so yeah it's an interesting yeah. pick city of god so my number two pick for best international film is one i think it's the only one on the list that you've seen on my list i know you've seen it it is a korean movie called the handmaiden no you put it yeah of course i did <laughs> oh i nearly put it in and oh, did you? I didn't. Yeah. Um, it was between that and Parasite, and then ultimately I decided that as as much as I love Parasite, I really, really like The Handmaiden. So I watched it for the first time yeah. a month ago, maybe, The Handmaiden. It's quite mm. new. Its original Korean title, interestingly, is Agassi, which translates to The Lady. So the title in English, The Handmaiden, refers to the character of the handmaiden, and then the Korean title mm. instead refers to the character of the the lady of the house. The lady, mm. which I find really interesting because that kind of recontextualizes the film a little bit. Like we've been talking about titles a lot during this episode, and yeah, it's really true that the title of a film will send you into that film with expectation. So Korean audiences maybe went in expecting to hear a story about a lady, and they yeah. got that. And then, but Western audiences would have gone in expecting. And focusing more on the character yeah. of the handmaiden, and both characters are really important in the film. So I just think it's interesting that that mm. one little change probably changes quite how, how people view the movie. Um, it's an adaptation of a of a book called Fingersmith mm. by an author called Sarah Waters, and her book is set in Victorian era Britain. And I think it's really interesting how the director of the handmaiden, Park Chan Wook. Mm kind of saw how well a story about Victorian era Britain and the sensibilities people had then can translate so well onto uh, Japanese Japanese ruled Korea. Was it Japanese ruled Korea at the time? Yeah. 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 
um, how well those two kind of how the comparisons between those two eras and those two countries is is really mm. strong, and the, the the book kind of fits really well into that. Although I think the I think I've never read Fingersmith, but I think the author has said in the past that she would rather have it described as inspiring the handmaiden rather than the handmaiden being a direct translation because it is fairly different is my understanding but doesn't make it any doesn't make it any less uh any less mm. important and it's a really good film it's a, it's about a a woman who is a small time con artist and a man has this plan to kind of ingratiate himself into the house of a kind of noble korean man and then mm. hopefully marry his niece or step-niece i can't remember what the exact relationship is between mm. the the lady and the the man the man of the house but anyway he wants to end up marrying this woman and basically take all of her money and to help him set all of this up he get he asks this con artist to go in as the handmaiden of the house and to kind of say much more than that would spoil it but it's it's a film about yeah. relationships it's a film about class it's a film about mm. giant octopuses in tanks it's got a lot going yeah. on in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's brilliant and it, it features some very explicit scenes, which is probably the reason yes. it didn't quite crack in the way that Parasite did, because it is quite a tough watch at times. A, a bit like I've never seen it, but in my understanding it's a bit a bit similar to Blue is the warmest colour, where you really do see some very uh, extreme yes. scenes in that movie. Oh goodness, um, that film. Yeah. But the handmaiden I I think <laughs> I think this the, the the scenes that are, that would be quite difficult to watch with your parents in The Handmaiden. Yeah, and children. Uh, or... And children. Well, children definitely should not be watching The Handmaiden. But, no. Um, they, or young children, anyway. They add to, I think they add to the film. I think they're important in showing the relationships between those characters and how powerful they are. And I I mean, yeah. I think it's very extreme, but I don't think it detracts from the movie for me. Um, so, yeah, I love The Handmaiden. It's a really good twisty, tense thriller. It plays with perspective really well. It will show you some scenes and then show you the scenes again from another character's <gasps> perspective and help oh, you to so good. Of, yeah, understand again what's going on and who's really in control yeah. of different scenarios. And it's very clever. And and I think there's a, there are a lot of parallels between it and Parasite. And I would hope that if people have watched Parasite and enjoyed Parasite, mm. they will also get a lot out of The Handmaiden. It's set in a very different era and mm. stuff like that, but it's, it's quite yeah. twisty in, in a similar way. So... So yeah, if you enjoyed Parasite, then check out The Handmaiden mm. if you haven't done so already. How do you yeah. feel about The Handmaiden, Alex, having seen it as well? Uh, I love that film. I think yeah. it's so interesting and so well done. And even if, um, <clears throat> like, this, the sex scene there is, is um, kind of interesting and weird and powerful um, you know, in the blue is the woman's color. It just felt, which is a film that you were saying before, a French film mm. that you were saying before. I, it just seems like something, just a like a weird. It it just feels weird. I don't know if you've seen that film. I haven't seen it. No, it's just I saw. Yeah. I read. A, I read an article that compared the two films in, in terms of the sex. Yeah. Maybe because before I watched Blue is the Woman's Color, I read about the actresses being really unhappy about that. Um, I, yes, I don't that think it adds anything it. to the film. I don't think that that adds anything to the film, but I think probably in The Handmaiden it does. Uh, it's part of the film and in, it, it it works with the film, but I feel like yeah. in Blue is the Warmest Colour, it, it's just there. Yeah. Just to my show understanding with The Handmaiden is that the actresses, the actresses in The Handmaiden were kind of consulted about how they were going to film those scenes and 
given mm. a lot of power in how that was going mm. to be kind of shot and who would be in the room at the time. And stuff yeah. Like that. Uh, I don't, I, yeah. That's what I've read. I, I hope that that's true, but that's mm. my understanding. Yeah. Um, so good. I, I, I like the fact that you don't really know what's happening. And uh, like you said, it's just that, oh, it's, yeah, there's it's just like that. Long yeah. periods of The Handmaiden I, where you're not quite sure what the point is of it, maybe, <laughs> or what anyone's meant to be doing. But as it unveils yeah. itself yeah. and reveals what it's about, it, it, it's, mm. it's incredibly entertaining. It's got a brilliant ending. There's a shot on a boat at the end. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing. Oh, it's so good. So. Yeah. yeah, I love it, and I, I definitely it. do great. prefer it to Parasite. I think Parasite yeah. is uh, the Handmaiden is definitely above Parasite. Yeah, if I've, I had I've... watched Parasite before the Handmaiden, I would have probably thought it was amazing. But because I, not that you should compare Korean no, no, films, they can both, but they can because both it had such a own. hype. Yeah, because yeah. because it had such a hype, Parasite, and you go, well, the Handmaiden was much better. Why didn't it not have it? <laughs> but it's because it's a uh, you know half of it is well half of it. There's a long, long, got, long yeah. sex scene. <laughs> but um, but you know, uh, and Parasite's not without its own sort of sex scenes, but it's not quite the same. Um, no, not quite as explicit. <laughs> not anyway. at all. But yeah. but I love Parasite. Parasite was almost on my list, and and. I don't necessarily feel the need to, you know, it's not one or the other, but yeah, the mm, yeah. Is, uh, is, the, is the superior film for me. So how about your number yeah. two, Alex? My number two, it's a German film that came out in 2006 and it's called mm. The Lives of Others. Uh-huh. Um, so it's uh, set in 1984 in East Berlin and um, it's about uh, an agent of the secret police, um, the Stasi, or Stasi, not Stasi, Stasi. Stasi? Stasi. Yeah, Sassy. Um is uh, conducts a surveillance on um, a writer and his lover, and he becomes um, uh, absorbed in the lives of these two people that he's listening. Um, okay. Yeah, and I think that's all I should say because it's. It's a really, really good film that um, I did not expect was going to be like that. Uh, so um, the main character, um, the the person that is listening to them, uh, yeah. Jed Weasler, is um, agent of the Stasi, uh, which is the secret police. And uh, you, he's so strict and so um just a, just a very inhuman person uh and it kind of like shows how he knew inhumane that time in germany was and mm. um i i really really like it because it shows uh the lengths they were going to just keep control and also the lengths the people that were monitored were going to be free so um smuggling uh, things that they couldn't have in their houses uh acting a certain way in certain places and it was only 20 well i'm thir- uh, 34 40 years ago mm-hmm. and the berlin wall only came down in 1989 so mm-hmm. such recent history only 30 years ago we had two germanys um, yeah. So I, 
like it because it's so unexpected. And when I watched okay. it and when it finished, I was so, a bit like The Handmaiden. I was so surprised by it and I was so mm. happy to have seen it. And I think oh, it's good. a great film. I've never thought about watching it. I, I don't know why. It's not, I, it sounds really petty. I don't think, it's not just because it beat a film I really like to win an Oscar, but I mm. just, I don't know what it is about it, but I'd never found it. I'd never, it never seemed like a movie I'd be interested in watching, but you've just really sold it. So mm. I think I'm definitely going to watch it now. Okay. So next, number one, my number one, my number yeah. one favorite uh, international film. Mm. Uh, could, you know, up there with my favorite films of all time. I absolutely adore this movie. It is from 2016. It is the reason that I've failed to include five different countries because the two, there are two French movies that I can't not include on my list, if you see what I mean. So it's a French mm-hmm. film. It is primarily in French. And, <laughs> uh, it is a film called Raw. Raw? Raw. Have you heard of it? No. No. That's fine. Maybe I have. I it sounds it sounds familiar, but I can't. I don't know if I'm getting confused with Saw. Um, <laughs> possibly, it, but no, Raw. But Raw R A W. So that's the right spelling. Or yeah. in its its original French title is Grave. Hmm. It is a film. How to describe it? It is a movie about a girl who is going to university. It's kind of about her freshers' week, her first week at uni, and she is at veterinary college in France. Mm. Her entire family are vets. She's got a mum and dad who are vets, and she has an older sister who is in the year above her and is at the same veterinary college a year ahead of her. Her entire family are vegetarians, and because mm. uh, the movie starts with them at a service station on the way to drop her off at uni, her mum and dad and her, and they have some. They have a. They order some food, she's eating some mashed potato and she puts them in her mouth and realises there's a little chunk of meat in it and has a kind of freak out. And her mum gets really angry at the service station and stuff. And then they get to veterinary college and it's kind of about her initiation week and these initiation rites that they have at this college. And from reading some articles about the film, it was loosely inspired by the real-life extreme initiation rights they have in French veterinary college which are apparently really really crazy I read a story mm. about it's not it's not in the film but a story about a guy waking up and he'd been stitched inside the carcass of a dead horse or something <gasps> yeah what horrific. is I don't that know if, real yeah well it's a story I read that's supposedly real but it, it felt very a friend of a friend told me that this happened kind of thing so I don't know how accurate that is but apparently it's very intense I think part of the idea being that it's so such a difficult job to be a vet. You've got to kind of be with people as they say goodbye to members of their family, essentially, so often, and that mm. kind of thing. And it, it it's so difficult to see animals kind of passing away and stuff that, that you kind of have to build up a bit of a shell. So I think it's to kind of, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's this, it's this idea that they're building up a kind of defence against the mm. horrific things they might end up seeing as part of the job. But she's asked to do a few things, including eating a raw rabbit's kidney as part, like on her first day. Oh. And through doing these things and participating in these acts, she starts to see the world slightly differently, starts to get these urges that she's never experienced before and can't quite control. And she starts to lose control over herself a little bit. And throughout the course of the week, it gets worse and worse and more extreme. 
Mm. And to really say more about that would spoil the film in a big way, so I won't. But then the other big theme of the movie is really looking in depth at the relationship between this girl and her older sister. Mm. And it's a relationship between two sisters that was written and directed by a woman. It's a female director directing her for this film. And I think that's really important in how successful it is in showing this relationship and showing that you know they support each other and they clearly love each other but they also argue they shout they fight with each other and it feels like it feels like a true relationship it doesn't feel like something from a film it feels incredibly real and and raw actually mm. and that's part of what makes the film work so well is that you really really believe in these two sisters and you believe in the relationship between them and it feels so genuine and so honest that when the things that are more extreme because it is a french you know it's in the french extreme horror genre it gets quite mm. intense and gory when those things start to happen, it's all the more powerful because you believe in those people so much and you believe in them mm. as real people. And I I absolutely adore it. I love it. It's one of my favourite movies. You've got to have a really strong stomach to watch it. It gets really, really unpleasant in parts. But it is it is so good. So yeah, I love it raw. It's it's um worth watching if you think you can handle something quite intense. Like when you were talking before about French movies being quite intense. Yeah. And I said that Tell No One isn't really that. Raw is the film where I was thinking it Raw is that. Raw is e- extreme. Um a bit like another French movie called Martyrs that I watched for the first time recently that's like the most violent thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but it's mm. also a really good film. So yeah. There we go. Raw. But raw. is it is it kind of is it like a horror then? Like a proper horror? <clears throat> I mm, similar to not necessarily one cut of the dead but maybe similar to midsummer it's an incredible story really well told that has horrific things happening in it and as a result it gets defined as a horror film but it's not trying really to be a horror film it's trying to be a drama and it's trying to tell you a story that happens to involve some quite gruesome events Mm. if you see what i mean okay it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's got uh, it's got an ending that I love. I love the ending to Raw so so much. If you've seen it, you'll know the part I mean, and it is the best. It is the absolute best. <laughs> so yeah, the best, the best, the best. Good. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, funny how like our films are very different. It's like you, you'll go from like gory and. <laughs> thrillers and you know your number one is raw my number one is like the opposite <laughs> is it well let's yeah. find let's find out so my number one has to be a japanese film because okay. i i that's the the well the cinema i watch the most that is not uh, in english language okay and is from one of my favorite uh japanese directors and it's called uh our little sister oh our little the director sister is Hirokazu Koreeda. Ah, okay. uh, I watched, I'll, I think I've seen most of his films, but I love the film Our Little Sister. So it's based on uh, um, a manga um, uh, called uh, Umi Machi Diary, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, it's uh, sea, uh, the, village, the sea village, village sea mm-hmm. diary, something like that. 
yeah uh and, well umimachi is like village sea the vil- the sea in the village the sea by the village okay and uh, it's about uh, these uh, three sisters whose uh, father dies and um a strange father because they uh, don't um uh live with him and uh at to his funeral they meet uh their half sister and uh the half sister goes and live with lives with them and i i i like it because i uh it just a beautiful portrayal of uh, the life of these four girls living together uh it reminds me a lot of japan and the seasons in japan and uh, little traditions uh the food It's a very simple film but with so many so much to offer. Yeah. Um it's a slice it's just, of life film, isn't it really? Yeah, and I and that's and that's why I like it and yeah. um uh I I I just find myself just going I want to watch that and I'll watch it because it's just such a a beautiful film and I tear up every time because it's just it shows um family and love and the fact that the most of Koreda's films families are never the typical family that you're supposed to have mother father and children living all together but it's um which is very important for Japanese society and he kind of shows a different kind of family that you can have and still be fulfilled and still have an amazing life and i just i just really like it and how um easy it is to just for them to just say well come and live with us and let's mm-hmm. have a life together yeah. um and, and that's one thing that i really like about japanese films and that they don't really need to explain too much things are matter of fact that this is what's going to happen yeah. and um it just allow he allows you in this film to just enjoy yeah the moment yeah And I think that's what I like. You've seen the film because I spoke yeah. to you about it. I was it, like, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. <laughs> it's the kind of film I would never watch ordinarily. Um, so I'm glad you told me to watch it because it is it is incredible. It's like definitely a five-star film mm. for me. Um, mm. It's so beautiful. And yeah, the simplicity of it is what's so good about it. And it doesn't. Mm. it's not to downplay it or denigrate it in any way to mm. say that it's a simple movie. It is the ability of that director to find such captivating moments in yeah. such a simple portrayal of you know life by the seaside is mm. is gorgeous and incredible and worthy of praise so yeah i i agree it's a good, it's a really good choice have you seen shoplifters yes is that how does that compare because that's the one that got all of the sort of awards and praise isn't it um i uh i liked shoplifters uh is uh, is heartbreaking actually have you seen it no Um Shoplifters is actually quite heartbreaking and um it got a praise because I think it showed uh a different side of Japan. Yeah. And that people don't really see. Yeah. Um we didn't really see it when we lived there. Yeah. And in fact, uh someone I know um has said that um he can compare Koreeda's films to um Ken Loach's films, uh, the British director, yeah. kind of um, showing society and the cracks in society, the uh, you know deep cracks in society. Uh, that, um, of course, very different um, 
places, England and Japan, but um, kind of showing that. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I um, think that's definitely true. Not so much in Our Little Sister, because that's no. not really looking at that. But from what I've heard about shoplifters, that's definitely mm. comparable to what Ken Loach is doing, especially the I, Daniel Blake, and Sorry You Missed You that he's done recently, yeah. really showing kind of the plight of the working class at the moment in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's interesting that there is a big parallel to that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and so, um, but it's a really, it's really, really good. It is really good. I love. And he's also did a new film, which is called The Third Murder. Gosh, and he doesn't stop. No, no, uh, and The Third Murder is incredible. I managed to watch it when it came out in Italy. Okay. And uh, it's uh, really, really good. He's just a, he's good. Yeah. Like I could tell you my top five Koreeda movies. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the director and of Raw has only made one film, so I can't do that for her. For her. But, um, <laughs> I'll be extreme. She's got another movie coming out at some point soon, hopefully. So, yeah, mm. I'll, I'll be able to do a top two. Top two. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully, a top five soon enough. I hope she keeps working. She's mm. very talented. All right then, that's our top fives. I'll run down yes. mine, and then you can run down yours. Yeah. Yes. So I had at number five, tell no one, French. At number four, mm-hmm. The Hunt, Danish. At number three, One Cut of the Dead, Japanese. At number two, The Handmaiden, Korean. And at number one, Raw, French again. Perfect. Yes. Number five, Le Fat Ignoranti, or His Secret Life, mm-hmm. Italy. Number four, Amelie, France. Number three, City of God, Brazil. Number two, The Lives of Others, Germany. And number one, Our Little Sister, Japan. I like it. Me Good too. Choices. Okay. Do you yes. have a list of honourable mentions? Uh, yeah, I've got a few. Um, um, not to be boring, I just put a couple. I just put a couple of Japanese ones because if not, it'd just be no, that's fine. boring. Uh, so my honourable mentions are Battle Royale Japan, uh, a film about kids um, killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, I Wish, which is another Koreeda film uh, about um, a family that has um, two boys and the parents split up. One parent takes one boy, the other parent takes the other boy. And there's a story about them two reuniting, running away from home. It's beautiful. Mm. It's such a Japanese film. Like, you know that it's safe in Japan for a kid to run away from home. And it's just spectacular. Um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, a Spanish film about, there's a fairy tale, basically. The scariest fairy tale I've ever watched. (laughs) Um, As fairy tales should be. Yes. Uh... Parasite and Handmaiden from Korea. Mm-hmm. We spoke about them. Um, Nightwatch, which is a oh, 2000, Russian 2004 uh, Russian thriller uh, thing. And a film that I watched recently, um, Sandstorm, uh, set in uh, Israel, uh, in a Bedouin um, settlement in uh, near Jordan. It's about this family... Uh, where the husband has to get a second wife and the things that go uh, after that happen after that. And I think that's definitely a film to watch, uh, Sandstorm, because okay. after watching it, I it's a film that doesn't say much, but in your head, there's so much, so many questions and so many things. It's really, really good. Hmm. And that's those are my honorable mentions. Nice. Okay. 
I've got a few honourable mentions that I'll go through quickly. The first one is Hidden, which is a Michael Haneke French mm. movie about a family who start receiving VHS tapes through their letterbox that oh. when they play them, it shows just footage of the front of their house. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a good film. And it's not necessarily a horror film like you would expect from that. It's a very, it's a very unusual movie, but it's good. Seven Samurai, Japanese uh, Kurosawa mm. movie. Yeah. Fantastic film. Old Boy. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, Park Chan Wook, Korean movie from the mm. director of The Handmaiden. Mm. Very good film, obviously. Yeah. Most people have seen, or a lot of people have seen Old Boy. I Saw the Devil. Uh, and, did you? Uh, yep, yeah, I did. And it was great. <laughs> uh, that's a Korean uh, serial killer film uh, mm. that also has the actor that played the lead role in Old Boy in it. Really, really good film. Mm. Martyrs, a French film. The, the most violent movie I've ever seen in my life. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's truly br- brutal. Uh, it's very mm. good, but it is it is too much. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Uh, the Wailing is an is a is a truly amazing Korean horror film uh, ghost story. Uh, mm. You would like it. In the, it's a similar vein to uh, Midsummer. Mm. Fascinating ghost film. So so good. The Host is a monster movie by Bong Joon Ho, who made Parasite, Korean film. Mm. Okya is an environmental drama ah, yes. yeah, by Bong Joon-ho, mm. who made, that's on Netflix, so everybody should watch that if you have Netflix. The Devil's Backbone is the movie that Guillermo del Toro made before mm. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Uh, it's like a bit of a sister piece to Pan's Labyrinth, very similar mm. kind of creepy fairy tale film. Very good. The Vanishing, I talked about that earlier. Very good film. Train to Busan, Korean zombie movie. Probably. Oh, I want to watch that one, actually. Ooh. Is it good? Ah, it's spectacularly good. It is. Okay. Because it it's a zombie movie. Because I can watch zombies. Yeah. Those are fine. Yeah. It might be, it might be the best zombie film. I, no, that, I don't know if that's true, but it's up there. It's in my top five zombie films, definitely. Train to okay. Busan is so good. Parasites. Yeah. We don't need to talk too much about Parasite, yeah. but I, I, I love that film. Haosu mm. is a Japanese film from the 70s. Kind of, it's made by this director who saw Jaws and then wanted to make his the Japanese equivalent to Jaws. And if you go into it only knowing that about it, it's the most astonishing piece of work you'll ever see. Um, yeah. It's great. Haosu is so, so good. You should definitely watch it if you haven't seen it. Mm. it it's kind of, it's get described as a horror film, but it's it's not, it's almost like a children's film. It's so strange, mm. but brilliant. Atlantics is a movie from the... <gasps> I'm going to watch that. Oh, yeah. It's from, I think it's from the Ivory Coast. Yeah. Or somewhere in no. that region of the world. I feel really bad that I don't know exactly mm. where it's from. Mm. really 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 interesting movie on netflix easily available yeah. definitely worth watching the platform that's another film that's on netflix uh, mm. quite an interesting genre film worth a watch the raid and the raid 2 very good action films from indonesia our oh, little yeah. sister which you've talked about battle royale mm. which you mentioned pulse very good japanese horror film ringu the original not the original oh, japanese yeah. horror film but you know everyone knows ringu the- Audition, yeah. another fantastic Japanese horror film. Hagazusa, a very interesting, strange witch movie from, I think it's from Germany, that region of the world. Stalker, mm. a very, very good Russian movie. And Pan's Labyrinth, uh, which we've talked about before. And those are all my honourable mentions. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Uh, homework time. Homework. Oh, this is going to be... Which one would you like to watch from my list? Like uh, the one that that you think that you should. I would most Cause... like to watch Amelie or the Lives of Others. Which of those two okay. do you think I should watch? 
Um, I would watch The Lives of Others first. Okay. And then if you have time, watch Amelie as well. Okay, so the, and I want to watch City of God as well at some point, but I, yeah, I, but definitely think you should watch Lives of Others and then Amelie. You if really you have time sold me week. on the Lives of Others, so I definitely want yeah. to see that. Yeah, yeah. good, it's good. Uh, you have got to watch One Cut of the Dead. Okay, okay, I, th- I thought you're gonna maybe watch Raw. No, I, I wouldn't. Watch no, Raw. I mean, you should watch, you should check Raw out. I think you'd I think, yeah. you'd, I think you would de- you would like Raw. Hmm. But I more want you to watch One Cut of the Dead because I know that you would love that film and it's frustrating yeah. to me that you haven't seen it. You, are, you have been bothering me about that film for a very long time. Yeah. No, it's just like forget. I go, oh, yeah, you tell me about it. I go, yes, I need to watch it. And then... If you come to me next week and you tell me that you watched One Cut of the Dead and you didn't like it, I will be astonished. Okay. I'll be so shocked if you don't like it. But if I come next week and say I loved Hamilton, <laughs> you'll be happier. I'll be very happy if you come back next week and say that you like Hamilton now. I think you're getting there. You're coming around. You're seeing yeah. the light on it. <laughs> you're convincing me. Yes, please. You should. You definitely got to watch that second half because David Diggs yeah, is so good in the second half of that of that uh, play, film, musical thing. I will. I will. I'm getting around to it. Okay. I just needed a bit of a prod. <laughs> <laughs> next week we are going to discuss our top five animated films yes but um, in the english language our top five animated films in the english language yes is that the case oh no is it are we having i oh, know all animated yes, no, films. no 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 sorry i'm looking at our schedule and I, i've got something out of order yes top five animated films in the english language you are correct. My bad. I just I've already written my rule my list out and one of the things on the list is not in English, so I'm gonna have to change that. But it's fine, I've got I've got ages to, to prepare. Yes. So, so top five animated films in the English language. Yes, please. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Sorry. Nobody sees us dance. No. <laughs> Dancing. Cool. I think they can sense the energy, so it's fine. Yeah. Great. Right. Folks, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been amazing. Bye, everyone. Bye. As always, thank you for having listened. You can find us in the following places online if you'd like to join the discussion. You can find us on Facebook at Culture Bucket Podcast. You can find our Facebook discussion group under Culture Bucket Bucket Squad. You can find us on Twitter under at Culture Bucket Pod. Instagram is Culture Bucket Podcast. And my email address is culturebucketpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to find any of our movie lists, you can go to Letterboxd and look at Culture Bucket. And please do let us know if you have any thoughts on what we've discussed today. All right. Thank you very much. Love you. Bye.